Blog Talk Radio. CWHL, the NWHL, um, resuming action after the All-Star break. We have some NCAA uh, bracketology to talk about both in hockey and in, in basketball. Uh, saw UConn continue their streak and continue it one more time. Uh, we'll get into a lot of, of talk about that as well. And our, our fun fact of the week this week is going to be basketball as well, and that is Kelsey Plum surpassed Brittany Griner as the second leading scorer in women's college basketball history and did it in 17 fewer game, games than Griner. Um, she is now, as I said, second leading scorer of all time. Topping the list is Jackie Stiles, who uh, Plum is now 78 points behind. So a little bit more time for Kelsey Plum to take over the lead uh, for the, the Washington Dogs out there in, in the great state of Washington. Lou, are you there? So we're going we're gonna to keep on rolling. Uh, we're going to start to talk about NWHL hockey uh, this week, the, this weekend. As I said, coming back off that all-star break, uh, got to see two games this past weekend. The Buttes taking on the Boston Pride. Unfortunately, this one was, was not televised or streamed, uh, on, but a lot of good action here. Uh, and the Boston Pride continue their winning streak as well, speaking of winning streaks, uh, defeating the Buttes 3-1. to one. Um, just a great game here back and forth. You did hang in here for quite a while, and even into the the really the second period uh, with a score tied one one and one, and even a, a goal and Megan getting the pride a two one lead still didn't put it out of reach for the for the Buttes. And the Buttes have played against the the Pride very well all season long, and um, and in the third. Hillary Knight was able to put in a, a real heartbreaker for the Buttes with a three-one, making it three-one, and um, and that would be it for them unfortunately on Saturday. But as I said, just a great game. The Buttes have really played tough <coughs> against uh, the Pride, and if you weren't able to, as I said, it wasn't streamed um, this this weekend. Unfortunately, uh, this was a great game, and, and the Pride were able to take care. Ooh, you there? Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, can you hear me, Kyle? 
Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this was an, actually an interesting game, and the NWHL just actually put out a tweet that you can watch uh, both games, I think, now on NWHL backslash, or NWHL.zone backslash videos, uh, or you can just look them up on YouTube. So you can catch um, the recap of, of that Pride game. But, yeah, you know, it, it, you mentioned it right off the top, Kyle, is it, Buffalo seems to always play Boston really tough. And I think it's going to be interesting if these two teams have to play each other in the first round. You think what was on the line last year for Buffalo, a little redemption to knock off, still undefeated the Boston Pride um, come playoff time. I think that's going to be really interesting, especially, you know, percentage-wise, the seedings are going to be a little mixed up uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. And, and you, you said right there, is it's going to depend on, uh, who plays who, and and I think though the Buttes are going to be safe um, from that fourth position. I, I know it's it's still kind of close right now, but you have a, a few games uh, coming up that that could determine whether they continue to move up the rankings or down in the rankings. And and I think that they're going to be okay. I think they'll end up somewhere in that either two second or third spot, uh, battling with the Riveters for that. And um, but but what that does mean is that we're going to have a very interesting semifinal, if that is the case, between the Riveters and the Utes heading to uh, possibly a great final with the Pride and whoever wins that matchup. Yeah, I think I think that's that's actually a great point. We saw, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about the the, the whale in a second uh, and the Riveters as well. But right now it'd be Boston versus Connecticut, Buffalo versus. Um, New York if the season were to end today and you think about what Boston's been able to do their win streak uh, this season's at 13 games but overall it surpasses the the, the most the most as you mentioned before on my W Sports Sports Sunday it's the winning winningest win streak in professional hockey sports um, and they're only expanding that so is there is there a point where you might want to lose before the playoffs or do you do you see Boston just you know riding on all cylinders until they win that Isabel Cup it's tough to say. I mean, they just have, have continued to roll and continue to put up, uh, you know, great games against each team. I just, I just think they have, they have everything that they need to continue to win for the rest of this season. They have great goal scoring. They have great goal tending. They have great defense. They just they have all three pieces of the game. Talk about another team that seems to have – kind of found their stride, especially here in the 2017 calendar year. The New York Riveters, it seems like this is a, a very resilient team, Kyle. No matter what deficit, no matter uh, the injuries to the team, it, it seems like they find a way to win. Um, and, and they had they had to deal with a, an onslaught in that first period. They, they fell quickly to a 4-0 deficit. Zoe Hickel, who was just traded from the aforementioned Boston Pride to, 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 uh, to the Connecticut Whales, she scores two in the first, Kyle. So this is a good move. For, for Connecticut right off the bat. But and then we see New York, as they, you know, seem to do all the time, come back in this matchup. And, you know, a 4-0 game turns into a 4-1 game. It's then 5-3. Um, and then it's 5-5 on a Mie Dench power play goal about midway through the third period. So they complete the comeback. They go into a shootout and win on a Courtney Burke overtime goal. That, again, came on a power play. Uh, special teams was big for New York in this game. So what, what, what did you think about New York's performance and even Connecticut's uh, with every great comeback there's a great uh what, what do they say they, uh there's a great letdown so what do you what do you think well let, let me start with zoe hickle i think that um what she said after she was that she wanted to that, that she had a say in this and and she wanted to be able to spread her wings and be able to to become a great offensive player in her own right 
she kind of felt like sometimes uh, playing for a team like the Pride that that she wasn't able to to really take the lead on being that offensive threat. And and we see right away that that this trade was a great trade for the Whale, and this was a great thing for for Zoe Hickel to be able to really take the lead for for the Connecticut Whale, uh, a team that has really put together a, a pretty good offensive season. Um, and we've seen players like uh, Haley Skrupa and and uh, Kelly Babstock really playing just great all year long. And now you know you add Zoe to that, and I think that the the, the thing that the Connecticut Whale do well is score. What they don't do well is stop people from scoring. So I think what we're going to see is they may win some games down the road. They may lose some games down the road, but we know they're going to be high scoring contests no matter what. And on your question, <laughs> you're right. I think this was unfortunately to have a lead like that and just let it slip out, slip away. Um, again, that comes back to their defense and, and their goaltending. And it's just, it's just not enough. And, and you, it's a team like the Riveters who are really starting starting to put it all together. And, you know, you, you can't give you can't give back the goals that they gave back. And and as you mentioned, the power play goals here as well were huge for uh, for the Riveters. And uh, again, special teams is going to be huge. Uh for for this team but go, going to connecticut let, we'll talk about new york in a second but going to, do you think they need a goalie change i mean um when you think about nicole stock she's played a lot this year so do you think Sinead deserves a chance lumberg um do you think she deserves some more playing time coming close to the playoffs i do i mean i think i think with full tenders that I um, but I don't think one is dominant over the other. I, I do think that they should be mixing and matching those a little bit more than they are. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough, Kyle. Um, all right. So what are your thoughts about New York? Do you think they're the team that's most equipped to beat Boston in the playoffs? Um Yes, I still think that they are. I think that the Buttes um, always do play the pride tough. I think that the Buttes have uh, great goaltending and great defense. Um, but but I do think that the Riveters, especially when they're hot offensively, um, I mean, you saw it in this game. They they come back from a, a 4-0 and a 5-1 deficit, and they just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. And, and I think that they're a team that can score with the pride, and I think that they're a team that has enough Absolutely, and you can catch Boston playing Connecticut this upcoming weekend. Connecticut will have two games coming up. Uh, First game will be against Boston on Friday, then they'll travel to Buffalo to take on the Buttes on Sunday. So a busy weekend for the Whale, but they'll have a chance to gain some percentage points if they can pick up a win in either of those matchups or both uh, coming up this weekend. So New York will have a bye. They'll be able to rest up. Uh, for the upcoming weekend. So NWHL action returns, but now we hit the CWHL regular season finale, Kyle, and it's it's kind of bittersweet because we know that, you know, these players are going to go and play for the Olympics and the World Championship teams coming up. Um, but, it, it, you know, this season seems like it flew by in the CWHL. Well, it always does. I mean, I think that it's, uh, <laughs> that it's part of the problem come and go so quickly and then you're waiting and waiting and waiting for the next weekend and then it comes and goes so quickly and before you know it now it's it's almost March and 
now it's time just to get into uh, some playoff time. Absolutely. So let's talk about it. Playoffs are set in the CWHL. This weekend was just kind of uh, a formality, you should say. So let's talk about Brampton versus Boston. Boston will not be in the playoffs for another year. Um, we, we know what Boston has, Kyle, but let's talk about them before we talk about Brampton. Um, were you surprised to see how much better Boston was this year? Yeah, and and I do think that that you uh, hopefully can stay together, continue can continue to grow, and and I do hope that they can get better in the next couple of years. I mean, it was it was a shocking loss or change two years ago to lose the players that they had. Um, went through a little bit of a transition year last year, had a great goaltender, lost her as well. Um, but in the end, I think they did it right this year, and they got a lot of really good young talent out right out of college. Um, and hopefully, as I said, they can just continue to, to improve. And maybe we'll see the, the Blades vying for you know maybe a third or fourth spot next year. Absolutely. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens this offseason, especially with the CWHL having plans to pay their players as well next year, uh, see who, who decides to stay, who decides to join the league um, this upcoming season. So watch out for the Blades. They'll be prepping for the draft uh, and any free agents as soon as today. Um, so we'll see if they make any big moves coming up this offseason. Uh, playoff time, Kyle. Brampton, they're already in. They're the three seed in the CWHL playoffs. They'll be taking on less Canadians than Montreal. Um, we both talked at length about Calgary and Montreal and how we feel they're really great. Let's spend some time on Brampton and Toronto. First, let's start with Brampton. This game, the first game, their offense was clicking. Laura Stacey, she nets a hat trick, three goals uh, all in, in each of the periods uh, in that matchup. They win 6-0. to zero. She has 11 goals on the season. The good thing about Brampton that we really haven't talked about is their goaltending. Erica House, she had 17 saves in the shutout. Um, Brampton's offense put 47 shots on net, scoring uh, six goals in that matchup again. Uh, Dammer had 41 saves in that for the Blades. And then in game two, you saw Boston take a 4-2 to two lead. Um, and, you know, Blades fans everywhere were like, oh, yes, we, we, get, out, we get out this season with a bang. Uh, but and then they blow that third-period lead. Laura Stacey <laughs> scores with 120 left in the third to force an overtime. And then Jenna McParlin, she scores the lone goal in a shootout for the Brampton win. So is Brampton a team that we should say, hey, they can steal one from, from Montreal? Or do you see less Canadians sweeping that, that matchup? I think we can say that it's a possibility. I, I'm going to say the same thing about Brampton that I said about the Whale. I think that they're a team that scores and scores and scores, but they need some work on the on the defensive end. And, and you can see, you know, how many times have the Blades scored four goals in the last two years? I mean, that right there should say to you that, that something went wrong with the defense. Um, and I think that if if they're going to have a chance, they're going to have to outscore the and unfortunately with Lays Canadiens, that's a hard thing to do because they also know how to score and score and score. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, Brampton is right behind Boston in goals allowed this season. Uh, Boston had one, 137 and Brampton's at 63. Um, the next closest team is Toronto at 58. So, so when you're talking about that, they're also, as you mentioned, the third highest scoring offense behind Calgary and Montreal. So, is there a way you fix that? Is there, you know, do you ride the hot goalie? Do you make some switches on defense to shut down a Marie-Philippe Poulin or a Anne-Sophie Batet? 
I mean, I think that they have um, a couple of very good goaltenders, and I think you just have to hope that one of them is ahead uh, in the in the playoffs against Blaze Canadiens. Um, I don't know that there's an easy fix for it, uh, other than maybe just um, crashing a little bit more on the defensive end and keeping more players, um, you know, kind of in the middle of the the crease area. Um, you know, I just I don't know that it's something that's easy but you just have to kind of hope, like I said, that, that how or, or Knox, if she's in, um, is able to, to put, um, you know, just a wall in front of the net. And that's, that's, that's a good point. You, you mentioned Liz Knox. She didn't really have a great game against Boston, uh, giving up those goals, uh, those four goals, and then she got pulled after the Tara Watch one goal. Uh, early in the third, and that gave Boston a 4-2 lead. Here comes Erica Howe. She shuts down Boston, you know, 10 saves on 10 shots. Um, so, so, again, do you think they ride the hot goalie? Do you think they go with Howe going into the playoff series? I, I think Howe is the, the better choice. I think it's it's very close. I mean, I I remember looking at um, the winners last year and, and the goaltender uh, best goaltender for my W Sports uh, last year, and and Liz Liz Knox and and Erica Howard both right about the same spot, uh, both you know typically both in what their capabilities are, um, but Howe just seems to put it together a little better. Um, she seems to be a little less frustrated under pressure, um, so I, I, I think you do go Howe in that case. Okay, all right, so we'll see that matchup starting uh, this upcoming week. It's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, do you have a pick before we go? Do, do you have a pick out of that series, the, the Brampton Les Canadian series? I, I mean, I think for me, I think that the, the finals is going to be, is going to have a Les Canadian team in it. So okay, have okay. To stick with, with Montreal there. All right, all right. So let's talk about the other team. Um, first, let's let's talk about the recap from this potential Clarkson Cup final. Montreal, Les Canadiens taking on the Calgary Inferno. Um, you know, I, I came into this weekend thinking that, all right, we're going to see potentially um, what we saw, what we might see in a championship. But then I'm thinking in the back of my mind, well, these two teams already know who they're playing. There's no, nothing really up for grabs. So are we really going to see – um, the best of the best. And I think we did, Kyle. I think, you know, Calgary took game one, three to zero. Montreal, I'm pretty sure it took exception to being shut out uh, and put five goals on the board and won five to three. Controlling that second game for the most part, uh, Sarah Lafort, who's been a phenomenal addition to, to that team, she scores twice, her eighth and ninth goal of the year. Interesting note here, Catherine Heron, she made 27, uh, 25 saves uh, in the win for Montreal. In the loss was Charlene Labonte in game one. So I want to talk about that in a moment. But what did you think about this matchup? We've obviously talked at length about these two teams uh, potentially playing each other. So did you think we saw a Clarkson Cup championship final here? Well, here here's my issue is that the Clarkson Cup for some reason is a one game uh final. And and I'm a Brenda uh, Brenda Andrus and the CWHL uh heads of of the committee of everything that that is the CWHL to make this more game. I want to see more of this. I want to see Canadians and Inferno, the best two teams playing in some sort of a series where we get to see like we did this past weekend where sure Calgary wins the first game three to nothing plays Canadians come back and, and they're able to win the second game. I mean, I, I think that the fans would be appreciative. I think the players would love to play in a atmosphere like this. 
you know, I, I just want to see more of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair. That's a fair point, Kyle. Um, and you know, I agree with you. I think, you know, when you have something like this, a three zero win and then a five, three, uh, comeback win, you have to see a decisive game three and who, who, you know, who's to say that that Clarkson cup final, isn't that decisive game? Cause I believe they split the season series. So we can at least pretend that it's, it's that for this year. But I, I also agree. I think that the playoffs needs to be expanded, um, a little bit. And I understand why they couldn't or, or possibly couldn't do it this year. Uh, given that, you know, the world championships and the Olympic rosters are going to be announced soon so um let's let's talk about this this montreal team i think it's really interesting uh labont hasn't really been great as as we've thought she would be this year and in in recent games katherine heron she's she's come in and she's played pretty well uh, not only in relief but but even when she gets the start so do you think kind of the same question here do you think they're riding the hot goalie going into the playoffs? Because Catherine Heron just shut down one of the best offenses uh, in the CWHL. I know it's tough to say though. I mean, you look at, you look at, even going back to last year's Clarkson cup, Levante has not played very, particularly well against the Inferno, um, but she's still your best goaltender. And I think you still have to, I think if you're going into a playoff, you still go with your, your best goaltender. Um, I think, I think does a great job. I think she does a great job of, of uh, being that second goalie that can give Labonte a little bit of a break uh, from game to game. Uh, but I still think that in the end, you still have to stick with with Labonte. All right. So so no no Labonte against Toronto, and then throw Hyrin in if they make it, and Calgary's in the final. You don't you don't see anything it, like that kind of adjusting as they go. It would be shocking, I think. I think it would it would <laughs> be one of those uh, put Julie Gaffney in for the final uh, shootout shot. Um, I, I just don't see it. I, I think you stick with Labonte. And let's talk about Calgary because we've we've you know obviously talked about their goaltending trio. Uh, Mashmeyer puts a shutout on Les Canadiens. She hadn't had a really great season, but now she shuts out a really great offensive team. Um, and then in 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 the second game, you see um, Genevieve Lacasse get the loss. So is there an issue here where you don't know when you have a really good goalie who to go with if you're, uh, if you're Calgary? <laughs> That's the problem with having three <laughs> Yeah, Look, they did it to themselves. I'm not, that's up to them now. Um, I, I mean, I think <laughs> I, I love Lacasse. I think she's a great uh, – but I, I think, again, when you look at their, the best goaltender for Calgary in a playoff situation, I, I still think, and this is just my opinion, which is wrong often, but I, I think you got to go with Mashmeyer against Lays Canadiens in the final. Okay. Okay. See, I see. I'd actually go with Delaney Bryant, and I know a lot of people would say, "What?" Sure. sure. But but I'd I'd have to go with Delaney. I mean, she's been phenomenal when she's gotten the starts this year, um, and she's a Clarkson Cup champion, so she's been there before. Um, you know, I I I'd think that she's gotten kind of the end of the stick, but uh, I, I I definitely think that you know if there's a goalie that. Uh, if they're struggling to pick between Mashmeyer and Lacasse, it's not a bad thing that you have Delaney Bryant sitting in the wing. Absolutely. I think also, I mean, she has the experience. She was, as you said, she played against the Lakers in the Clarkson Cup and defeated them last year. I, I don't think that would be a horrible pick either. Um, I just think 
for for me, I think it comes down to um, either Master or if you know, I I think that's a because of the experience. I think that's a fair uh, choice to make as well. Absolutely. So, the best of three series in the CWHL opening semifinal round. So Brampton will go to Montreal. Uh, Toronto will travel to Calgary, uh, and that will take place this upcoming weekend, the 24th through the 26th. You can catch those games on CWHLlive.com uh, or the, the, the CWHL.com uh, to catch those those matchups coming up this weekend. Um, so, Kyle, we'll talk about these semifinals coming up um, in the next sports Sunday, but any anything to look for, any any of these teams that you say, hey, um, if you're watching games this weekend, this is what you need to need to keep an eye on. I mean, I think it comes down. I, I just, unfortunately, sorry, Toronto fans and Toronto players, but I think Calgary has your number and Calgary is moving on to the finals. Um, I, I think the thing to watch out for, though, is if Brampton can score and keep up with the Lays Canadiens, can they push Lays Canadiens maybe do a game three? where anything's possible, and you never know what's going to happen. All right. So, again, watch for those games this upcoming weekend, the CWHL-Clarkson Cup playoffs beginning uh, on Friday. So make sure you set your calendars and watch or catch MyW Sport on social media for updates, as always. Um, All right, Kyle, from the professionals, let's go to the future. Uh, College NCAA ice hockey, we've hit the final regular season, and I say that with quotation marks because uh, College Hockey America, they they finish a week later, so they're still um, trying to figure out their seedings uh, uh, for their conference tournament. So we'll we'll hold off on them for a second. But the ECAC, the Hockey East, and the WCHA, they all finished up this week, so their conference tournaments are already set. We've been doing bracketology, or I've been doing bracketology here on MyW Sports, and it, it's gotten to the point where I just want to throw everything against the wall and say this is BS. I, I just, I can't, I can't. I don't know what's going on anymore. It seems like every weekend we have something. Uh, we have a curveball, and it's not even a curveball. It's like this, this UFIS pitch that you just, you think you've got in your wing, and then you want to hit a home run, but you end up just like losing the bat when you swing for the ball. So. If you, if you stick with me through that analogy, Kyle. <laughs> I'm, with you. I'm with you, Casey. Mighty Casey has struck out. I, I, I totally get it. But, but that's a great thing, Lou. That that is that in itself shows you just how competitive, just how uh, how close so many of these teams are. We're not looking at a, a BC like last year that that came into the the playoffs undefeated and and everybody. We're looking at at teams that maybe middle of the road, maybe even less, and yet they're keeping up with the big boys. And I think that's a great thing in in college hockey right now is that we don't know who's going to be in the finals, you know. And I think that it it just makes for more interesting hockey, which is great. Absolutely, that's. I mean, I I have to second that. Um, and, and when you talk about kind of the the musical chairs in the top 10 this year, Wisconsin has been a steady number one. They look great. I mean, they've returned um, most of their players from last year who lost in the semifinal to Minnesota. We, we got to see that game, Kyle. So is there anything different you see from last year's team to this year's team? And Renee has been phenomenal. Um, take that out. Anybody else that, that you feel has just come on the scene strong? I'm going to give it to Wisconsin's offense. I mean, that's the team last year that we knew Renee did 
days bns was going to be an unbelievable goaltender we knew that their defense was good with with uh burke in in the defensive zone there as well but offensively they just keep up with minnesota we're talking about a wisconsin team this year that led the wcha in goals by over by by 18 goals over the next closest so so they're scoring a lot they're not just playing great defense which they still are they still lead uh, very handedly in goals against as well, but they're scoring as well, which is something they didn't always do last year. Yeah, and, and then you mentioned and Renee, their defense has been their staple. So this year they've been able to, uh, you know, either shut down opponents or at least keep it low scoring enough for their offense to to either come back uh, and equalize the game or come back and win the game. They finished the season, the regular season, twenty seven two and four. Um, when, when you think about who they're playing in the WCHA, to only have two losses on the season, uh, that's pretty incredible. Absolutely. And in 34 games, they've only given up 30 goals. I mean, wow. that right there is, is incredible. We're talking about Wisconsin. There's another team we saw in the national semifinal last year that's kind of worked its way up to number two in the pairwise rankings. A lot of people were saying, you know, yeah, Clarkson's good. They're fine. They're going to do what they need to do. But now they're the second, in my opinion, probably the second best team in the nation. Um, And they might end up getting that two seed if they win their conference tournament. We got to see this team. I mean, Kaylee Mercer, Shea Tiley, these names last year, I kind of laughed at you. And I was like, hey, Kyle, that's, that's, that's cute. That's funny. But and then, you know, it seems like they grew up after losing to Boston College in that semifinal. And this year they're determined. Uh, they play in probably one of the hardest conferences. I know the WCHA will have their, their issues with me saying this, but I think the ECAC this year was from top to bottom one of the best conferences. And they finished 25-4-5. and five. They're the one seed in the ECAC playoffs. What do you think about Clarkson? Well, again, you know, we were just talking about Anne Renee Debian and Shay Tiley returned from last year as well. And she was in, I believe, in my top three last year as well. And here she is just playing unbelievable uh, once again for Clarkson. Um, I, I'm shocked a little bit that Clarkson is playing as well as they are with the losses that they had with losing Renata Fast and, and Aaron Ambrose to the pros. Um, but, I mean, they keep, Again, this is a team that has great goaltending, and they just keep scoring. They have 122 goals scored this year. So they're putting up goals against, as I agree with you, I think the best top-to-bottom conference in the country right now. So let's talk a little bit about that conference. You have a St. Lawrence team that, for the most part this year, had taken care of business, and, and I'm, we're going to have a little talk about St. Lawrence in a second. Um, and then Cornell, who is right now kind of one of the first teams in, uh, if we're talking bracketology terms, they're at the seven seed, kind of just lingering around, hoping that they can get some help from the top. Um, but and then you have Princeton. Princeton has some quality wins, and we love Quinnipiac. Oh, I, I love Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm. I know they're not as great, but they have a great goaltender. They, they, mm-hmm. As you mentioned, they're a team that lost a lot of great players as well, but they're still in it. They're the five seed in this tournament. This is the great thing about the ECAC is you can look at top to bottom. I mean, Yale had some big upsets in the late, of this, late, late run of the season. They're going to play St. Lawrence in the first round. When you're looking at some of these matchups in the ECAC, any one of the bottom four teams that you think can, can make a run and win the conference championship? Well, thankfully you, you said bottom four because that allows me to still say when it's back. Um, I mean, <laughs> that has experience. This is a team, again, that has great goaltending. This is a team that last year 
was right in the mix with Clarkson and unfortunately lost to Clarkson uh, to knock him out. So, you know, they, they could be that team that, that sneaks through uh, as the, the, the fifth seed and, and knocks off, um, you know, Princeton is fourth seed, takes out Clarkson a little bit early in the conference tournament. So they might have a shot to make it in um, with that automatic bid. And with a goaltender like Hoffman, they're going to be dangerous if they're in. And and you think about that conference. I mean, Colgate is the sixth seed, and they have 13 wins. So the top six teams in this conference have 13-plus wins um, in conference. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes up. Obviously, Clarkson has been uh, really, really just dominant this year, just one loss in conference, 19-1-2. and two. Uh, But it's going to be really interesting. So let's talk a little bit about St. Lawrence because, I, I, you know, everybody I talk to, Kyle, they're, they're pretty high on the Saints. And, um, you know, I've been doing some research. Obviously, as I said, I do this bracketology stuff, and all these stats come up. And, and, and you're looking at, you know, strength of schedule. You're looking at uh, the quality of opponents. I'm not sure St. Lawrence is a better team than Minnesota or Boston College, and they're ahead of them in the pairwise right now. Right, but when you come out of a, a conference that's as full as as the ECAC is, you're going to get a bit of a bump if you're playing, you know, if you're the second best team in um, in the conference as well. I, I just I agree with you. I don't I don't know that I I see them going up against a BC or you know if they had to let's say face uh, a Wisconsin or a Minnesota, I, I don't see them beating them. I'll even say Clarkson. I think Clarkson. Um, right now, anyways, looks like they, they would win that in a playoff as well. Um, but I mean, they keep winning, they keep finding ways to do it, and they've beaten you know the ECAC teams that they're supposed to. Um, they split with Mercyhurst earlier in the season, um, you know, teams that maybe aren't you know the Wisconsin's or the um, uh, Minnesota, but you know, again, they they did sweep Northeastern and sweep Vermont from Hockey East as well, so. They have a little bit of of experience outside of the ECAC as well. That's true. That's true. Big wins against Northeastern, especially uh, with Northeastern having a big win over Boston College, that makes that uh, yeah. a, a lot better. So let's let's talk about that Hockey East. You know, the ECAC is, is a pretty good conference, but this Hockey East, it seems like they always have a staple team uh, in the national semifinals. So let's 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 discuss because I know there's a team that that you want to talk about, Kyle. That that made history um this weekend so (laughs) of course i want to talk about them but but just to just to throw it out there a a team started with zero seniors with uh, a brand new program uh not a new head coach but a new head coach to that uh school um brought in a ton of freshmen um and and took their lumps last year but year two now for the Merrimack Warriors, uh, they went up this past week and they were able to, to get enough points to move ahead of Maine and, and make the playoffs in the Hockey East in just their second year in, in program history. And unfortunately, uh, it's a congratulations you made it uh, by, by splitting with Vermont this past weekend, but now they have to face off with the Boston College Eagles. So um, congratulations to the Merrimack Warriors, though. Um, from where they were just starting last year to now making the playoffs. And um, now, you know, hopefully, as I said, almost all sophomores now, hopefully next year they'll grow a little bit more 
and and two years from now even a little bit more. So congratulations to the Merrimack Warriors. You know, I don't I don't know what it is about you and Erica, but you make trash talking for me so much harder than <laughs> any of my other friends. Um, <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great way to put it, Kyle. I, yeah, it's great, but you know what? I'm not going to take anything away from it because Merrimack is a team that actually has played Boston college really tough. Um, in their six meetings, two of those have been, you know, for the most part, one goal differential games. There's one that's a two zero game, but, um, that was uh, really a one zero game and so really late and empty netter. Um, but even this year at, at Kelly rank and Connie form, it was a one zero game for about. 48 minutes or excuse me 58 minutes uh and then Andy Anastas put one home with about two minutes left to 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 lift the Eagles to a victory do you see Merrimack at least uh competing in these matchups coming up this weekend I mean I think so I think they have the experience at Boston College as you said you know they they did have to go to Boston College uh twice this year and and was one goal game and and um you know I think that this is a a gritty team that is, um, you know, they they are going to fight hard for every puck, for every uh, goal that they can score, every every transition they can get, and I, I think that they're going to have their opportunities. Um, I, I think Boston College is the better team, as they're obviously the top ranked team in hockey East, and Merrimack is the eighth seed. But um, you know, it, it's it's a team that is they have nothing to lose. So if they were to go out and play their hardest on the weekend, you know. What could happen? Absolutely. Seven wins for Merrimack in conference play this year. Uh, so let's do the same thing here. Hockey East, there's mm-hmm. been some surprises. Connecticut has beaten some of the top-ranked teams in the conference. Uh, Vermont has, you know, snuck away with some, some great points against the Boston University. Uh, you also look at Providence. They just beat Boston College uh, down at Schneider Arena. So from top to bottom, is there a team that scares you, not scares you, but do you, that you think can steal that automatic bid from Boston College in this conference tournament? tough to say because as i said you know you look at northeastern number two and and unfortunately in their non-conference games you know they lost a couple of games that they really shouldn't have Um, you look at a a bu and i i think i'd have to go with bu right now uh just because you know again you a pretty solid hockey um uh, season this year also um you know to to tie and beat penn state i know penn state wasn't the best this year but um, you know, they played still pretty well in that. And, and two wins against Princeton uh, and a win against Harvard. Um, you know, I think BU is, is – and they always play BC tough as well, obviously, with the, the rivalry there. Um, I think they're a team we're going to have to see a little bit more from uh, their goaltending and, and their defense um, before I'm, I'm going to crown them the Hockey East champions, though. Yeah, that's a great point. I think I think I'd pick a uh, pick BU too because the way obviously the standings are set up, it'd be a BU Northeastern semifinal. So it's either going to be those two if they make it. Again, these these bottom four teams in the hockey East can pull off, uh, you know, some upsets. And, and I'm looking specifically. Um, at that at that UNH BU game, I mean BU just played UNH and they beat them twice, uh, four three and five two. But if if those Wildcats can get it together, um, I think that BU can can you know probably get upset in that first round. Obviously, very hum- highly unlikely. But if there is a team, I, I agree, it's either going to be Northeastern or BU. Uh, and I think BU. Uh, Bob DeRocher said something uh, after the Beanpot 
that really resonated with, or stuck with me. Um, he said, you know, we went with, uh, I think it was in the semifinal or the consolation game against Harvard. He went with a backup goaltender uh, because he wanted to prepare for the hockey's tournament and knowing what was at stake. And BU, uh, although they're, they're kind of low in the pairwise, they can sneak an automatic bid, uh, and that can create some chaos throughout the entire NCAA tournament. So uh, be really interesting to watch out for the hockey's tournament. Uh, Kyle, let's move to the WCHA before we wrap up this college hockey talk. We talked about Wisconsin. Is there a team like Minnesota or Minnesota Duluth that can take this automatic bid uh, and push Wisconsin kind of um, to to the at-large berth? I mean, I, I think both. I think those are the two that whoever comes out of that semifinal matchup between those two, uh, whoever out of the Minnesota there, um, I, I think that they're going to have their opportunity um, Wisconsin, obviously, as I said, you know, they've played great offensively. They've played great defensively. They're going to don't put it past to the Gophers. The Gophers always find a way somehow to make it a very interesting matchup with Wisconsin. doesn't matter if it's in the doesn't matter if it's regular season. That, that rivalry is, is still one of the best in, in the country. Any of the bottom four teams you see probably uh, potentially making an upset run here? I think it would be tough just because you're looking at a very dominant top three. Um, so, I mean, if we're going to pick one, I'd have to go with Cloud State because I think um, they've done a very nice job this year in uh, close games. And, and if they could just find a way to to maybe squeak one out, um, you know, maybe they have their opportunity against, um, against Duluth, but, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Bemidji, actually. I think Bemidji has a big win against Minnesota earlier this year, um, and, and that can give them some confidence going into this quarterfinal matchup. So I, I agree. I think it's either St. Cloud um, is probably my top pick, but Bemidji State is also a team to watch out for uh, as well coming up in the WCHA. Uh, all right, Kyle, so quickly before we wrap up here, Robert Morris uh, is leading the CHA. The, the conference winner of the CHA gets an automatic bid. Syracuse has been in every one of the finals since uh, automatic bids were, were given to the CHA. They haven't been able to win one. I've been kind of, you know, slowly, you know, inking people to say, hey, watch out for Syracuse in, in my bracketology because I think they've, they've, you know, since the beginning of 2017, they've played really well. And I got to see them play Boston College and, and seeing a team uh, up close and personal kind of changes your perspective. But Robert Morris has kind of slipped. They, they lost the game this upcoming weekend, so the, the race is a little bit closer. It's a two-point <laughs> race now. Um, so if Syracuse can take that top spot, they, that might be an easier road. Do you see any of these teams in the CHA making a run? Maybe a Mercyhurst who's, who's been there before, uh, a Penn State who has some big wins on the season. Any, any, any other team coming out of the CHA except a Robert Morris? Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're going with Syracuse, and I, and I do like – um, a, a lot of their non-conference wins, you know, and I think even going up against the Minnesota Whitecaps was a good thing for Syracuse to try to show them just how how difficult it is to beat, you know, a, a great team like that. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I'm going to go with Mercyhurst because I think even when I look at um, games that, that, that Mercyhurst played against um, both Robert Morris and, and Syracuse, you know, you see Mercyhurst staying in there with both of them, and, and neither were, were really blowouts. They split with Syracuse, um, but, but all the games that they either won or lost were, were very good games uh, until the final minute or so. So, I, I, as you said, I think that they've been there before. I think that they, they know how to score goals, 
and uh, I, I think that they may have an opportunity here to, to sneak through with the automatic. All right, so we'll watch out for Mercyhurst and a couple other teams from the CHA. They'll be, unfortunately, the eight seed most likely going into the NCAA tournament, so their first test might be that Wisconsin Badgers team, um, mm-hmm. and we all know how difficult that can be. Um, so that will wrap up our hockey talk. Let's move over from college hockey to some college basketball. This week we saw number one UConn win their 100 consecutive uh, victory. Uh, that was over South Carolina. Another double-digit victory for the Huskies. This was 65, or 66-55, excuse me. Uh, Kyle, I mean, I put out an article this week on MyW Sports saying that they could possibly reach 200. Am I overreacting on that? That's a bold statement, and and I'm going to record this, and I'm going to play this for you very shortly, I think, because I think that it is a, a little bit of an overreaction. I, it takes – I mean, we saw it's now taken over two years for them to win 100, so we're saying possibly that they could win for another two years. I, I just I – I am not sure about that. You know, I understand that they – we talked last week, and we thought South Carolina had a shot here. Uh, we ran a poll uh, right before the game, um, and I believe it was 58 to 42. Believe that UConn would win versus Carolina, but even that right there shows you that it's it's closer. People believe that it's closer than than it is, and I think that the Saturday game I think tells us a lot more. When uh, they did beat Tulane, but they only beat Tulane 63 to 60, and this is not South Carolina. This is not. Um, Mississippi State, this is not Texas. This is Tulane uh, that they beat by three points. So I, I, I want to just caution on, on overreacting and, and saying that just because they've been able to win 100 means that they're going to win 200. And, and that's, a fair, that's a fair argument to make. Now, here's the counter is they're playing in a conference where they haven't lost a game. And, yes, I hear, I hear your – concern about a three-point victory against Tulane um I hear that but they won the game and as you and I both say all the time a win is a win is a win um and when you're playing in a conference that you haven't lost a game um and all of your non-conference games are against the top tier teams in the country and you've beaten them by double digits um you mentioned in two years a hundred games uh, only two of those games were within single digits, and those two games happened this year. Um, right. So they only get better next year. They, I mean, they have the number one pick, uh, the number one recruit coming in. They have two transfer students uh, who are sitting out who are going to make this team ten times better than they are now, if that's even imaginable. Um, so here's my argument, Kyle, is if they don't move, if, if they don't move from the AAC to potentially the ACC or take you know, an invitation to go to any other conference – I don't see this streak ending. I mean, when you're beating a South Carolina ranked six in the country by double digits, when you beat a Baylor ranked two in the country by double digits, a Notre Dame ranked top five in the country by double digits, Maryland, Maryland was a team that kept it within single digits, but for the most part, UConn controlled that game. Um, I don't see it happening. So I hear it. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to picture in two years where we will be. Um, so, is is there is there a team this year that you say hey it's it's not even going to pass this year? Yeah, I I don't believe it's going to pass this year, and I understand what you're where you're coming from with next year, but I think next year is going to have to start a, a new 
uh, a new number. I don't, I don't see them winning the March Madness tournament this year. I just, I just don't. I see, you know, especially in, in these closer games. You know, we've seen Florida State play them very close. We've seen now a conference uh, a team like Tulane, which is is still baffling me. Uh, but close when you have to play on a Friday and then again on a Sunday, and you're playing against maybe, um, I don't know, Washington one day, two days later you're playing against, I don't know, Mississippi State. I think that there's, there's, I think there's an, a spot there where UConn could lose because I don't, we've seen them play great games. Yes. And I've, I've seen them pl- beat South Carolina by double digits. And, and as you said, Notre Dame and, and all those other teams, non-conference to double digits. But this is going to be, in my opinion, a very difficult bracket, a very difficult uh, run in March Madness this year because I think that there are more teams that are capable of of playing with UConn this year than there have been in the past. That's that's a great point. I mean, Florida State, you mentioned, um, was a great was a great. Uh, competition for the Huskies, but even Florida State, you know, they, they play a Texas team uh, really tough, and then they go into conference and lose to Virginia. Um, so so th- there's there's a lot of mix-up behind UConn, and speaking of UConn, Gino gets a five-year deal worth $13 million, um, or 13-plus million, so shout-out to Gino for making the bank down in UConn. Um, but, so when we're talking about these other competitions, Notre Dame, um, UCLA, you talked about Washington. I, I, I think Washington's a team to definitely look out for. They have all of the components from a guard to a big. Um, they can they can really put together a run. Um, so anything, any 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 of these teams, any one team sticking out for you before we wrap up this college talk? No, because I think it's tough. It's going to be um, it's going to be determined on the brackets and and who has to go to the who has to go to Bridgeport to play you and that. Uh, uh, the regional finals and um, and the final four. I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting how the how the uh, committee puts together the, the bracket sixty four and and who UConn's gonna run into. Like I said, on one of those you know Friday nights and then Sunday nights or or Thursday nights and then Saturday nights. So I, I think that there's a lot of teams. You know, I look at uh, specifically. Um, you know, Mississippi State, we haven't talked a ton about this year, but they continue to win. They're ranked number three right now in the country. They just seem to keep going. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about my, my favorite girl in the world, you know, Kelsey Plum again, and the Washington dogs out there. They're, they're ready to, to, um, to really show that they are a great team. We saw them sneak through into the Final Four last year when nobody was talking about them, and they've just gotten a little older and she's ready to to stop playing basketball just yet. So um, I think they're going to be a tough team to watch out for. Absolutely. It's going to be real interesting to watch out for that Huskies team or the Washington Huskies, uh, I should say. Before we move to the WNBA, just Huskies want to put this out dogs, there. Hannah no? Jane. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, but you know, if I if you say Huskies, you know, are you talking about UConn? Are you talking about Washington? Right, right. and that's why you know, I, I want to yeah. call them the dogs for a little while. Dogs. Let's not all confuse right, the right. Huskies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we move to WNBA, Hannah Jang, she wins the 2017 LPGA Australian Open. She won it on the 17th hole with an eagle. Um, came back. Ooh. She was down, I believe, five strokes. Ariana Jutanagarn and Minji Lee had the lead, um, but. Hannah Chang, she came through on that last uh, on that last round. I think she shot a 69, Kyle. Have you ever shot a 69? I can say with 100% certainty I have shot a 69. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So um, LPGA News, you can catch the upcoming tournament this upcoming weekend. It'll be on the Golf Channel. So watch out. Set your uh, TiVo or, or TBR or whatever it's called. Um, I feel like I'm getting old when I I don't even know yeah, what technology Timo. is anymore. I don't think we've had Timo in 20 years. Yeah, yeah. See, see, I'm messing this up. I'm messing this <laughs> all up. All right, let's go to WNBA. We've seen some movement going on. We obviously talked about the big trade um, with Elena Deladon going to Washington. But Kyle, we had another big trade coming up uh, or announced this week with Odyssey Sims. Yeah. So I mean, we we had kind of joked as well last week that. Uh, uh, Chris Tolliver had, had moved out of uh, L.A. She went to Washington as well. Um, but now we see Odyssey Sims gets traded to Los Angeles. Uh, Dallas also sends its 2017 first-round pick, which is the 11th overall, to Los Angeles. But they get, in exchange, the 4th and the 23rd pick. And, and I'm not really sure what Dallas is thinking here because you just gave away a great player and you only uh, switched positions from from fourth to eleventh in the draft. Yeah, that that's really what shocked me was the draft pick. I mean, you know, you're switching the pick, but what are you getting in return? And I mean, when you're looking at this upcoming class, yeah, you could you can probably you know make a case that if they move some other pieces, they can try to go for a Kelsey Plum. Uh, but but I, you know, Odyssey just makes this team. You think about replacing. A uh, Tolliver, uh, I mean, talk about a perfect replacement to Odyssey Sims. You got Candace Parker, NECA, and Chantel Lavender all to contract ex- extensions this week. Now you're adding a fourth component to that to that big three um, in Odyssey Sims. Do you think she can she can fill in that void of a, of a Christy Tolliver? Absolutely. I think I think this makes LA a very dangerous team. All right, and she averaged, I think, 14 points last season and started in 30 of the 34 games. So durability and an offensive component coming with Odyssey Sims. We obviously saw her at Baylor with Brittany Griner. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about the Sparks, are they are they still the favorite coming into the season? I, I think that they're one of them. I mean, I'll always keep going back to Minnesota. I think with the team that they have, and, and we haven't seen any of them um, we haven't seen any of the, the big-name players move away from Minnesota. Um, still, they're a great team, and they've created a little bit of a dynasty out there, even though they weren't able to, to knock off the Sparks this year. Um, you know, they were in it again, which is, is saying something. And I, I think returning with the players that they have, I think they're still going to be a very difficult team to beat. However, I mean, I do think that this L.A. team is, is full as well. Uh, NECA and, and Candace Parker, if she can stay healthy and, and continue to do what she did last year, um, you know, I don't know that she'll have the same uh, heart or 
five or uh, revenge tour, if you will, behind her this upcoming year. Uh, but now you add an Odyssey Sims. Um, I, I think that they're going to be a very good team again. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a good, good conference tournament action coming up um, when we look at the WNBA, because when the new playoff format came out, I think a lot of people were like, all right, let's see how this goes. And then last year we, we, you know, we benefited from it, seeing the best teams make it into the playoffs and then the top two teams make it to the finals. So um, that that's going to be really interesting to watch for the WNBA this season, seeing the, the, the teams that didn't succeed last year and the moves um, that they're making uh, and then seeing the teams that did succeed last year and seeing how they kind of try to rebuild or not rebuild, but get ready for a playoff push. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Kyle. So one quick note here, the MPF, and Softball Australia, they signed a contract or an agreement, a memorandum of understanding. I feel like we've heard this word so many times in the past year. Um, but they have a memorandum of understanding that eight softball players will join the National Pro Fast Pits and join the Chicago Bandits specifically for the upcoming season. Now, we talked last week about the Bandits cleaning house and what this means for their future. Uh, when you're talking about some of the best international t- talent in softball, Australia, one of the best teams in uh, international play, is this huge? This is huge news for the NPF, right? This is huge, yeah. I mean, we, we talked last week about how the Bandits were, were going in the wrong direction and cleaning house and, and what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden we find out, oh, wait, they were cleaning house because they're adding eight great players. <laughs> Must tough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, when you, when you think about the, the talent that's going to come into this league, and I think, you know, when I spoke with Sherry Kemp, she talked about this league being an international league, not just the best great North American players, not just the best great American players, but we want the best softball players in the world to come play here. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm always trying to follow Sherry on her tweets and her stories. She works really hard. Uh, and I know there's a lot of commissioners who bust their butts, but, I mean, Sherry, she's out there too tweeting. She's out there writing stories. She's doing interviews. She's trying to get sponsors and expansion teams. I mean, this is this is what you want, right? You want to make sure that your product is out there. And this international kind of component gives you more, um, just more eyes, more eyes on the product. And hopefully this also includes the growth of the game for the next couple of years as we head into 2020 and the Olympics and the reemergence of softball in the Olympics. Absolutely, and the World Championships coming up uh, in 2018 as well. So there's going to be a lot to look forward to coming up on the softball schedule. Um, any anything else that we missed up, uh, we we missed out on this week, Kyle? That that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up here. Just one quick thing, uh, Michaela Schifrin also at the end of last week uh, won her first giant slam, which was a great thing for her. She's more of a technical racer in the slalom. Uh, but also added a giant slalom title to her belt as well. I think she went gold and silver in mm-hmm. those events last week, Kyle. She had a so great week. Watch out. <laughs> watch out. 2018 Olympics. Michaela Schifrin coming on the scene uh, this year and, and for the most part in a couple of years. So uh, watch out for that name. All right. So we wrap up here on MyW Sports Sports Sunday. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, as always, you can follow us on social media at MyW Sports as we bring you Motivational Monday coming out today. Uh, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and Friday favorites. If you have any ideas for these days on social media, please let us know. Of course, visit our stories. Uh, check out our content on MyWSports.com. And as always, you can make a donation at GoFundMe.com forward slash MyWSports. Again, for our 
Kyle Westcott. I'm Louis Sanchez. Join us next week on Sunday for MyW Sports Sports Sunday.